So what is the future of farming in Whatcom County, Skagit County, Western Washington? What does it look like? You know, for us here in Whatcom County, we're watching the dairy community shrink. And we're watching the berry community, the raspberries and blueberries particularly that are so big here, struggle with their markets and things go up and down, but there are question marks. You know, is that sustainable long-term? And, you know, ground needs to rotate. A lot of seed potatoes grown out here too, but those can't be grown in a piece of dirt every year. So what are some other options? We talked about it uh, recently on the program, talking about green beans and peas and and some other veggies. The folks up north uh, at BC Frozen Foods uh, talking about doing more of that down here because of the pressures they're facing up in Canada. Those land price numbers were outlandish no pun intended, ridiculous, uh, over $100,000 for an acre. It's no wonder they're looking for different ways to grow food up there. But that's not the only uh, option that people are talking about for, for different ways to farm, different crops to grow here in Western Washington. Welcome back to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on your Saturday morning here on KGMI. Glad you're along with us for the ride and joining me right now from the east side of the state out of Quincy, Nick Schulteis. He's with Farmer Bean and Seed over there. Welcome to the program, Nick. And explain, you guys are... Talking about growing black beans out here, I know nothing about black beans. Yeah, yeah. So, so black beans is kind of a new thing over on the west side. We we actually had a grower uh, who was on the the east side. He was in Quincy, and he was farming over there, and got familiar with beans. That uh, he was farming over in the Mount Vernon area as well. And yeah, he kind of stopped by the office one day and said, "Hey, I want to try up some beans." And so. Uh, we gave him some some pinto beans actually the first year, and that's kind of where we we started. We said, "Hey, those aren't going to work," and hmm. well, they turned out they worked. And uh, the the only thing is they they had a little bit of dirt on them, and they hmm. they kind of smeared the beans, and so that was kind of part of our learning curve. That you know, let's try to do a black bean, and black beans work really well over there. So. How many acres are we talking, just generally, are we talking about doing this kind of thing? What what kind of market is there for this? What do you guys do with them? Yeah, so so the black beans, primarily black beans are grown in that Michigan, uh, Ohio area, hmm. uh, predominantly. And um, over here on, in Washington, you know, it's kind of a, a small percentage of the black bean or the, the bean market in general, the edible beans. Um, but over on the west side, we'll grow, um, that number is growing each year. This, this year will be a little north of a thousand acres mm. over there. Um, and so is that yeah, mostly in Skagit? Growing. Is that mostly in Skagit County? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then this year we're, we're stretching a little bit further north, uh, up towards the Canadian border mm-hmm. and, um, kind of just growing over there. It's, it's worked out really well over in, in that Skagit area and whatnot, just because that soil holds so much moisture that, you know, sometimes we can get away with only watering once or twice, yeah. uh, whereas opposed in the basin, you know, we're watering almost every day. So. Right. 
So, yeah. and again, we're talking with Nick Schulteis with Farmer Beaten Seed over in Quincy, talking about uh, the opportunity that's growing apparently to to grow some different kinds of crops over here in Western Washington. And he's saying the black beans they've been growing in Skagit are now creeping up here into Whatcom County as well. Some land going into that. Um, how does it work in Eastern Washington? Again, you said it's way back east. Um, you know. Uh, technically Midwest, uh, where they grow most of these. How much is is this a thing over in eastern Washington? I think a lot of us uh, Westsiders don't really know too much about how beans work over there. Um, it's a decent size that it takes up out of the out of the basin. There's mm. a few different bean companies around, um, and Farmer Bean is one of them. Um, and so it works really well. We, we've got different uh, day lengths yeah. as yeah. So we have the the bigger beans like a kidney bean or a cranberry bean, um, and then we'll have the smaller beans like a red bean or a black bean. And what we found works really well with these beans is to go in as a double crop, mm. and that's the way um, I would say probably not most, but a, ma- a good majority are in the basin is they'll they'll pull off one cutting of alfalfa or or timothy hay, mm-hmm. um, and then if we can get in by the fifteenth of June. Uh, we've got a good chance to have a good crop of beans, and uh, uh, they can make make some good money at that. So, pr- pretty late then. Eh? You were talking about you know different days to maturity, and you know we're over here. We're familiar with that, particularly with corn, and you know most of the corn over here now is grown uh, as cattle feed. You know field corn. Um, how many days to maturity are we talking about for these different varieties? Like what's, what's the range? I mean, if it's going in, in, in middle of June, it can't be super long day, uh, beans, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. And so it, it really depends. We'll, we'll end up harvesting quite a few in, in September or so. Uh, so the big beans are closer to, to 90 days mm. and, uh, or a little bit more and, uh, our smaller length, if we really get into a bind, uh, if uh, hay is late getting off or something, we can stretch that out till about the 4th of July and we can plant a pinto bean uh, and pinto beans. Those are quite a bit shorter and we can still uh, get away with that at the end. And that's a that's something that we have the luxury of in the basin where we have those those longer growing days uh, towards yeah. the end of the year where over on the west side uh, don't necessarily <laughs> have those long days. Yeah. And so. So over in the on the west side, we're looking to plant uh, uh, mid April, mid to end of April to first part of May, and uh, get them off a little bit earlier. So you said over on the east side, pinto beans are kind of the shorter day. How 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 many days to maturity generally? Like, what's the short end of the spectrum? I would say those would be the about eighty two to eighty four days, okay. if I'm not mistaken. So. Okay, so yeah. not like super short, but that, and that makes sense. Yeah, over here it's it's the same battle with corn because you know a lot of people are doing anywhere from you know seventy mid seventies to eighty plus day corn, and it and it gets really tricky. <laughs> it's a gamble yeah, it a to do that longer day head. stuff because you don't yeah. want to put it in too early. You can get burned on that, and then you don't want to have to take it off too late because it is a mess. And you may not even get it all off when the rains return over here because you're mudding it out, as as they say. Right. Um, so you want to avoid that, I'm sure, with beans because it's not like going into a field chopping corn. Uh, talk about how harvest works. 
Yeah, so harvest is a little bit different over on the west side. So typically on the east side, we'll go and we'll swath the beans and we'll lay them on a windrow out to dry. Um, over on the west side, you know, you've got those heavy dews that come in over the in the morning yeah. and overnight. Yeah. And if they're laying out in a windrow, then it's it's very tough to get those to dry out. Especially and that so, time of year over here. It's like you get to the end of July, early August, and all of a sudden you start getting these foggy mornings. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And so that's kind of why we'll go. And we found out that the best way to cut these things is still to swath them first, swath them. And then we'll have a pickup combine with a pickup header on it Mm -hmm. uh, and bring them in because we, we see less loss that way. And so what we, what we tend to do is we'll go in and swath in the morning because we still want a little bit of dew on those beans just so they don't shatter. Mm. And so we'll swath and we'll only swath the amount that we think we can combine that day. Mm. So we'll swath that much. And then later in the afternoon, uh, about one or two o'clock, we'll come out with the combine and start uh, picking up those beans. Uh, And then, you know, sometimes you only can get to four o'clock or sometimes it's to six. It just depends on when that dew comes back in. And so, we're really looking at the the weather forecast close on those days that we're cutting and <laughs> yeah so making sure that we're only swathing as much as we can combine in a day that makes sense and then you combine them all the residue stays in the field i would imagine and, and then the beans go on a truck back to the east side where you guys what dry them further or what what happens from there a lot of times we will we will need to dry them a little bit more once we get them back um, but sometimes we've found out that they're they're dry enough and we don't we don't need to dry them any further and so it works out pretty well hmm. and so typically what we'll do is we'll dump all those beans back into tote bags those big uh, one ton bags yeah, super sacks yeah in those super sacks yep and uh, the the farmers will dump them into those and we'll come and pick them up and bring them back to Quincy and uh, we'll put them into storage or into the dryer or whatever they need and uh, those black beans over there, we'll, we'll kind of keep over on the, the open market and um, the farmers will sell them when they, when they feel like it so, or when the market is right. So you guys aren't actually doing the marketing of it. You're just storing them or I guess, how does the, yeah. How does that portion? Yeah. Work? So we, we are marketing as well. We've got a, a, a marketing guy and he's in constant communication with those guys on the West side mm. to tell them, okay, this is a good time to sell your beans or, uh, you know, we should really hold off for another month and try to get them. Yep. But one thing that he's always said is harvest time is one of the worst times to sell your beans. Yeah. Cause everybody beans. else has them. Right. And especially that North Dakota, Ohio, Michigan area, um, they've got a lot of beans over there. And so, and that is one of the worst times. And so typically it's right about now is when they're selling their beans from the previous crop. And then that's where he's found to have the best success there. So it's still one. And and that this is where other markets I'm familiar with stuff like this over here, because I grew up my dad's a red raspberry grower. So I grew up around that and that's how things have gotten to be here too, where it's not like you just take a, a crop like this, harvest it and, you know, bring it to, in the case of uh, raspberries back in the day, it was, you know, you bring them to the cannery or whatever and you get paid. Now it's, you get those, those, uh, get that fruit, you know, packaged up in pails or drums or, you know, whatever you're storing it in, get it in cold storage. And then you try to sell it as the year goes on and watch the price. And it becomes this whole guessing game of when the best time to go. It sounds like 
same same kind of idea here, which does introduce a, a bit of risk. Like, uh, when am I going to get paid for these beans or, in our case over here, berries or whatever it might be? And and that's where where farmer bean comes into play quite a bit with our marketing guy. He he takes a lot of that risk out because mm. he's the one that's constantly watching the market, and uh, uh, he does great work for those farmers to make sure that the beans get sold at the proper time and they're getting their best price on the market. So um, so that's always a plus going into this. So. Nick Schulteis is with us here on The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop uh, here on KGMI News Talk 790. On your Saturday morning, Nick is with Farmer Bean and Seed over in Quincy. He's talking about how their uh, black bean uh growing is invading the west side over here which i view as a, a welcome development because uh we need more crop options over here and and you're saying nick that uh, black beans ended up being kind of the fit you know there's other dry beans that you guys do on the east side different schedules and whatnot but we can kind of make a, a not a double crop but a single crop season work out with um black beans here which i should have asked what what's how many days to maturity on on the black beans are they somewhere in the, i know you talked about you know kidney beans and such being kind of the long end pinto beans being the short end so we're we talking still kind of in the you know low to mid 80 day to maturity range with with black beans yeah it's in about that mid 80 range for the right. black beans yeah and people, you know, with familiar familiarity with their land over here, and particularly people who've done corn, probably have a general sense of what they can get away with and what they can't, you know, on, right. on how many days you need a crop like that in. Uh, how does it work for, I, I guess we're kind of doing this backwards because we just talked about harvest, but how does that work for for planting and, and, and soil prep and all that? Is it similar to a lot of these other crops, even like green beans or corn or something? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and and that's kind of where this black bean is filling is in those green pea, green pea acres as the yeah. green pea acres have kind of disappeared um, from from the, the Skagit area yeah. and whatnot. This is this is fit naturally in that place. And so we really are treating them pretty same in that rotation. However, they're working their ground is how we're putting it in. Oftentimes in the basin, we'll just no till the beans right into uh, what's ever there. Right. Um, I talked about the, the grass or the alfalfa, uh, most of the time we'll just no-till right back in there. And so, um, the guys on the West side, as you touched on, know, know what they're doing as far as maturity and what they can get away with. And so, yeah. uh, the ground prep that's very similar and we'll, we can work about with however your setup is, um, kind of transitioning yeah. that to planting now. Um, you know, there's. 22 inches is kind of what our ideal mm. width is planting for beans between rows. Um, yeah. Between rows. Uh, but we found that, you know, we can work with pretty much everything. And so we've got guys over there that are on 26 inches or 30 inches um, or even narrower and planting with a grain drill. And we'll go oh, in really? and we'll block wow. off. We'll just block off every other row. And right. So you're uh, probably down to like what, 10 or 12 inches then or something like that. Yeah, on some cases when there's like a six inch, we'll be up to twelve. Or it's pretty common to have a seven inch row spacing for their mm -hmm. drill, and so it would be okay, up to fourteen. Yeah. And um, so we can really work with work with just about anything. I used to plant corn uh, for Whatcom Farmers Co-op back in the day before they became CHS. So I planted a lot of field corn in 30-inch rows. Um, I've also planted some in 20-inch rows, which has gotten more popular over here. 
Uh, can you set up a take a corn planter basically and set it up to do these kind of beans? Yeah, for sure. And that's where our 30 inches come into play a lot. It's those guys that are planting uh, on 30 inch rows for their corn. Yeah, uh, that it'll set up real nice for for beans for sure. What kind of population do you put in? Typically, what we would do is about a hundred thousand seeds per acre. Oh, that wow. would be that would be the number. Wow. So a lot more than corn. You know, back when I was planting corn, it was you know low to mid thirty thousand seeds per acre. So, yeah. And then what about you know once it's planted, what else do you have to come back in side dress, uh, cultivate, weed control, spray? You know what what all has to be done um, between planting and harvest. Yeah, and so uh, there will be a little bit of a weed control that you've got to. Some guys will come in and cultivate uh, if they're on their thirty-inch rows, and that's a good time where they can side dress at the same time. Yeah, and that seems to work pretty well. Really uh, tough to other... really tough to cultivate a twenty-inch row. I, I know exactly. because I've done it, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you're losing beans everywhere. Oh, <laughs> cultivator blight, as it's called. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, a lot of guys on 30-inch rows will do that. Um, otherwise, we're we're spraying for weeds and uh, uh, insects over on the west side aren't aren't too too big of a of an issue as compared to the in the basin. Um, uh, what's another thing for for if they're not side dressing, they can uh, apply it overhead or they for foliar. Right. Uh, for nitrogen, if they need to, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times they'll just put it all on beforehand. Um, and, and that'll work. It, it's really just works with however you're set up as we yeah. can work with, work with pretty much anything. Uh, one thing, another thing is with mold control, we'll need to apply on a fungicide when there mm. gets to be mold because mold grows pretty well in beans. Mm. And so, um, that's more of a challenge over here on the West side with our, moist conditions it can be it can be um however over in the basin they're watering every day and so they've got the the very humid once you get out into the field because it's hot and Mm -hmm. real hot there and they're watering and so uh one of the other field guys he he wears glasses and so he always says he said if i'm walking out in the field and my glasses are fogging up he said i know we've got mold Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's something that uh is definitely looked at um but yeah, over on the west side, it can be can be an issue at times. So people are just doing this as a, a rotation, typically with other crops. Yeah, yeah, and so it's worked out really well for the rotations. That, and I've gotten quite a few calls this year, as you know, as you were talking about earlier, the dairies are starting to move out. Uh, they're losing some of those those corn acres that they typically had for the for mm-hmm. the dairies, and so they're trying to find something else for their rotation. Um, and beans have seemed to fit that uh, into that mold pretty well. Are you interested in talking with more people? Uh, do you guys have a website or an email or something where people can reach out if they're interested? Yeah, uh, we actually do not have a website, uh, but we do uh, we do have a, an email. Um, I don't know if I have it on me at this point, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> But uh, they could certainly reach out to me on my email, which, which is nick at farmerbean.com. Okay, that's easy to remember. And, and I can put them uh, in contact with the right people. And uh, sometimes the right person is me. So <laughs> that would work out pretty well there too. So Well, thanks for um, explaining all of this. We, uh, we appreciate you taking the time here this morning. Uh, again, we've been talking with Nick Schulteis, 
Farmer Bean and Seed over in Quincy. Again, Nick at FarmerBean.com. Uh, Did I have that right, that Nick? Is, yeah. That is correct. Nick at FarmerBean.com. Perfect. Nick, thank you so much for explaining all this. Best of luck, and it'll be interesting to see where this goes over here and as the, you know, this continues to expand. We appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much, Dylan.